Hello everybody, and welcome to another episode of Gateways to Cinema, uh, the spin-off of the podcast reboot already underway, the untitled Daryl spin-off of The Walking Dead that they just announced oh, to the main really? podcast, Walking Dead. Yeah, they announced it was ending, and then they're going to do a spin-off starring the two main characters left on the show. So it's like, are you really ending, no, or are you just, just yeah. trying to get the final season ratings and then yeah. get transition people to a new show? But it worked. I don't know. I'll, I'll cut you out. I will not. I'm a, I'm a terrible completionist, so yeah. uh, you tell me I only need three uh, three more That's seasons. That's the thing. You make fun of me for all my platinum trophies, but how yeah. many TV shows have you finished that you've hated? At, at one point or another, I've hated the TV show. Quite, more than I would, Less than your platinum count, but more mm. than I would care to admit. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Um, anyway, I am your host, uh, Aaron Hahn, joined as always by Jacob Lacey. Hello. <laughs> I don't know what I say here. You <laughs> Normally I just go, what's up? You no, know, normally like you fine. say something weird like that, yeah, and then we go off yeah, on really. a tangent for a while. I mean, you used to do a quote from the film, but oh, uh, yeah. that, that was like a good little uh, bit you had going, but uh, <laughs> I, uh, I kind of dropped. <laughs> I can't keep track of quotes, you kidding me? Yeah. What was this movie? I don't even know. What? I I don't wow. remember anything about it anymore. Yeah, yeah. No, I see what you're doing there. The audience doesn't. The thing is... Because they don't know what the movie is yet. Yeah. I didn't even realize what I was doing. <laughs> Did you honestly forget what yeah. movie we were No, no. About? I was just making a weird joke, and then I'm like, oh, that actually works. We're talking about extreme movie. I, yeah. We just, no, we... <laughs> no. Just get into Um. Well, yeah. We're not talking about extreme movie. Um, that's an inside joke. That's all yeah. this podcast is now. Um, but we're actually <laughs> talking we about uh, a film from the list of 100 movies uh, I made for Jacob to watch. Films that are interesting introductions to the larger world of cinema. Uh, and this week, um, in celebration of Charlie Kaufman's latest release, I'm thinking of ending things. We decided to look back on one of his earlier written works, uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Yes. So this is a film you have not seen before. So uh, first impressions, man. Let you know first... what I th- knew going in, or what? If you can remember the, yeah. <laughs> the movie. <laughs> so, uh, but going in, all I really knew about it was the ascent, just the baseline plot of erasing memories of his ex girlfriend. Okay. All yeah. I knew. Right. And uh, yeah, first impressions. I don't think there's any film on this list or mine that I am as torn about as this one. <laughs> is that so? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, uh, this is gonna be uh this is gonna be a little juicy episode. Uh tell me about this this uh great conflict, what's pulling you apart. Mm. I I don't know. There's bits I really like and there's bits that I just don't at all. Okay. So I think there's uh, mm. It's tough. You gotta, you gotta give me some deets. I went on I went on Letterboxd and I was like looking to see what people I, I follow or friends have rated this movie. And they've all rated it like four and a half or five. And I'm yeah. just like... This is a very beloved movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Caroline's calling me. She will not want to be on this podcast. <laughs> I'm going to tell her that I'm podcasting real quick. But anyway, Aaron, you can tell just, me. You tell what, me. What, no, what, I'm no, texting. We're, to, we're, Aaron, no, this is not how the podcast works. <laughs> It'll be quick. <laughs> oh, God. Um, do you, so yeah, I mean, I put this film on the list. This was a film I first encountered, um, in my science fiction film class in college. Okay. Um, that was the first time. It was a film I was aware of before then, just because it's a very talked about film. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fairly old at this point, 2004. Yeah. Um, but it was noted, you know, I knew who Charlie Kaufman was. Um, I, and then I always knew this film referenced as like Jim Carrey doing a more serious role, Mm -hmm. um, all that sort of stuff. Um, but I didn't know a whole lot about it beyond pretty much the same thing you did going in the baseline premise of the film. Right. Um, and I watched it, we watched it in the science fiction film class. I think we were doing like a unit on like memory and like identity and like um, the, how you define who you are, um, all that sort of uh, mm-hmm. that section of science fiction, right? 
Um, so that's why we were watching this film. Um, and I really loved it. Um, okay. And I still love it. Okay. So, <laughs> I mean, we'll see. Uh, well, I'm sure you'll have more thoughts in the spoiler section when we yeah. can actually talk into that. The thing depth, is, yeah, I don't want to go too much into it right now. But I would honestly, I, I, I would lean on the, the four and a half stars, I think, is what I would give this movie. I think I actually liked it more um, this second time watching it. Um, okay. Part of that was that... Um, the, uh, the the film classroom wasn't always the best environment to experience films in, um, right? Just because it was like kind of late at night, and you already had to sit through like uh, you know the whole class before you even get to the movie, and uh, you had to sit with uh, the like speaker system in that room, which wasn't very good, um, and all yeah. that. Um, but yeah, no, I ended up liking this uh, this movie more on the second time. Um, I don't know if that's because I understood where it was going. Um, that it's it's kind of can be a little confusing of a f- first watch. You really want to say something? Yeah, I don't want to Shutter Island this. <laughs> but I knew like instantly what was going to happen. I mean, I, I don't know, but that's the thing I want to talk about. I'm like, I don't know how much they try to really hide it, because it didn't seem like they were at all. I, I don't think it's very much trying to act like it's a big twist, really. Right. Um, I think there's certainly a way you could view the film um, and, and you know, be very surprised uh, the way it kind of loops around in the end. Yeah. Um, but especially on the rewatch, I noticed that they give it away a lot sooner than I thought they did. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, oh, well. So, so I think we'll it, it. I think later. it depends on how like attentive you you are to the film, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to just kind of enjoying the surreal uh, scenery kind of aspect of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't. I. I guess I don't mean so much as in um, knowing where it's going in the exact, like, the the definitive end point, but just right. in general, uh, how all the pieces uh, fit together kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, yeah. But I feel like this is a film we're just going to have to talk about in spoilers. Yeah, um, because <laughs> I will say, as far as, I mean, I, I do like Charlie Kaufman, like, his ideas that he has. We watched uh, Being John Malkovich. Yes, we did. Which was... Uh, and I think I've seen adaptation as well. I mm-hmm. think if I hadn't seen Being John Malkovich before this, I might like this more. They feel so similar to me. <laughs> I mean, and it's like a, it's lots a Charlie of, Kaufman. <laughs> but even just like in the ideas he's coming at in this movie, even though they're like different directions to come at them and yeah. different um, themes behind them, yeah. I think a lot of the same ideas of like feeling trapped within your own mind he like i mean that might just be something that that's kind of something he does i mean that's charlie no that's that is just charlie (laughs) kaufman i mean especially if you look at like his i don't think you've seen any of the movies he's directed no like after this um but he very much is like constantly uh coming back to these same um themes and same ideas and which is just like almost yeah i think like Seeing it twice with the adaptation and with um, being John Malkovich. It's like, Mm -hmm. I like these ideas. I like where you're coming from. And I think just to look at three, it's just like, I mean, yeah. Like, I get it, dude. I I don't know (laughs) if it's just like, I don't know. I don't know. It's hard hard to... Because I do think this movie is super well made. Yeah. um, Really well directed. I love the, like, um, just the visual imagery of the memories is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, Jim Carrey is a great fit for this role, too. And I love how he is the one straight man, essentially. And everyone else has really, like, good comedic bits in it. Mm-hmm. But except for him. And I'm like, how do you even do that in 2004? <laughs> you know? So I sure. do think there's a lot to commend this movie for. But... <laughs> The thing is, in a sense, I get where you're coming from because the way you're describing your response to this movie is very much how I felt after watching I'm Thinking of Ending Things, mm-hmm. where I was very, I had very, very mixed feelings about it, um, and it, it just seems like you got, like, three, you're three films into Charlie Kaufman's work, you're hitting the point where I hit, like, six <laughs> films in, where I'm just like, okay, dude, we get it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and not to say that, like, the dude can't make movies about this, like, 
very, I assume, very personal part of him. But it's just, I, I don't know. It's, I don't know. We'll get into it. <laughs> we'll get into it. It's only, uh, it's only like more uh, snake eating its own tail from here uh, with Kaufman. So yeah. I, I don't know how, how much you actually. Uh, this isn't going to be the encouragement you need to watch. I'm thinking of ending things, I guess, you know? Yeah. And, like, the, the thing that'll make me watch that is that it's a 2020 movie, probably, right. and I'll get to it at some point. Right, and probably one of year. the most notable 2020 films the yeah. way this year is going. So, But, yeah, I don't know. It's just I wanted... Maybe I just came into this with very high expectations, and a lot of... It's very 2004 in a lot of ways, where sometimes I'm like, this was probably novel in 2004. This was like, I don't want to say a new concept, but I, again, I, we'll get into it more in spoilers, but just like, I feel like we're past this and I feel like I should have watched this sooner, maybe, is, I, is a problem. Yeah, I think this is very much, um, this is kind of like a very much like a like a freshman in college film thing. Yeah. You know, it, it has like that vibe of like this is your like first delve into like <laughs> these uh yeah, well larger we'll concepts of like being a human being <laughs> and all that. Um so yeah, I wonder if your response would have been different if you had seen it. I think I guess it would have been freshman or sophomore year in college when I first watched it then. I don't remember. Yeah. Um, I think it was, I did the Western film first semester of freshman year. And then science fiction film second semester of freshman year. Okay. But I don't remember. It might have been, uh, it might have been sophomore year. Should've anyway. got to the list when you <laughs> sent it to me. I don't know. I, I, Obviously. So, well, we in more ways than one. And, uh, <laughs> You know, people wouldn't have to listen to this. Maybe you, I say have maybe to, you did watch them. this list once already and oh. then erased your memory of all the films to experience them again. Mm. I don't think you would do that because I don't think I think you would get to Robin Hood Men and Tice and you'd be like, I can't even watch this again even if I don't remember it. I I'd can't unwatch do that, to that but I'd write myself a little note to be like, it's don't, just better don't that you rewatch don't rewatch that one. This one. Yeah. yeah, and then the whole thing falls apart because you've written this note and then right. you know your mind collapses in on itself because yeah you're like, why Why did I write a note saying not to watch Robin Hood Men in Tights? Right. Of course, the note is explained by watching Robin Hood Men yeah. in Tights. And then, and then I'll watch it and I'll be like, I gotta get it again. <laughs> you know? For, and I'll write, for real this time. <laughs> Please stop. <laughs> so. Yeah, anyway. Um, what would you give it in stars? What, what, would you, what, would your, what would your star ranking be? While watching it, I was pretty baseline three stars. Okay. I do think the ending of the movie picks it up a little bit for me. So I'd go three and a half, and I'd be optimistic for four, like, if, like, I rewatched it and maybe with less expectations going into it, maybe I'd be optimistic for a four star, but I'd go three and a half. Again, this is very similar to, uh, that's what I ended up giving, I'm thinking of ending things. So yeah. I was like, three and a half, it's a very, very well-made exactly. movie, <laughs> but the, the themes were a bit tiring, so, yeah. um, yeah, so I guess it's, it's a recommend for me, I really like this movie. It's a recommend um, for me, too, it's just, I don't know, I, yeah. I mean, because it's not a bad movie. It was enjoyable all the way through. Yeah. You know, um, uh, I really liked the subplot with Kirsten Dunst and Mark Ruffalo and Elijah Wood. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really, really enjoyable, if not creepy, but that's kind of the point. Sure. Um, yeah. David Cross has a couple funny lines in this movie. <laughs> he's in every such time a small he's, role every time he's on screen, I laugh, though. He's got some good ones. Even in like the emotional climax of this film, yeah. he has this little behind the scenes line where he's like, I didn't crash the plane, the plane crashed and I was flying. <laughs> and I'm just like, that's mm, beautiful. Right. Um, so. so yeah, recommended by the both of us, I guess. Uh, a few caveats from uh, Jacob, but you know, you might probably have seen this film already. It's, it's a very popular, popular film. film. Yeah, I mean, I guarantee people have already You probably seen watched it. it freshman year at college and thought you had the biggest brain of all time. Oh, yeah. It's that, it's that Rick and Morty brain. This is full Rick and Morty brain. 
Oh, um, boy. So, if you uh, haven't, if you have seen the film or just don't care, uh, we're going to talk about it now a little in depth with spoilers. Mm-hmm. So, is there somewhere you want to want to start? Have you like pieced together kind of a? So the Green Hornet, huh? <laughs> Are you trying to figure out what else this director? Yeah. Uh, where else he knew him from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Green Hornet. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Be kind. Rewind, though. Is... No, he uh, he had directed. He's like a music video director, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, but that film track, huh? I mean, he's Green Hornet, huh? <laughs> anyway, boy I just Seth Rogen's to... in Green Hornet. He it was is. a passion project. It's great. You didn't support your boy? Uh, I saw Rogen? it. I saw it in theaters. Did you, you really? Yeah, I saw the Green Hornet in theaters. Come on. Why? Because <laughs> Seth Rogen was in it. He's my boy. <laughs> Come on, you know I will. Yeah, yeah, I know. Anyway, <laughs> but he he also directed Be Kind Rewind, which sure. is very not on the list. So, have you seen it? No. Oh, I'd put that on a second list. I love that movie. Well, <laughs> I guess we'll get there. So yeah. is, is there is there someone you want to start that's not the Green Hornet? We can talk sure. about the Green Hornet if you want. I but mean, I, I, I haven't barely seen remember. It in years. Cameron Diaz is in yes. it, right? Yes. Yeah. It's Cameron Diaz and Seth Rogen and. Yeah, what's his name? I can't think of it. We're gonna break out in song pretty soon. This is West Side Story Jay podcast. Jay Chow or Chu. What else is he in? Uh, he is also in Now You See Me Too. Not a good movie. Well, no. Have I mean, you seen that one? No, I haven't seen the first one. I can't put that on the list. No, I can't. Christoph Waltz was also in it though. Like if I could forget a movie. It wouldn't be Now You See Me too, but like if I could forget several movies, that would be on the list. <laughs> okay, okay. List of movies you wish you could forget. That'd be a good list for Letterboxd, <laughs> honestly. That would be a good one. Inspired by Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless yes, Mind. Yes. These are movies. But you don't include that one on the list. <laughs> you, can't, you can't. Anyway, <laughs> back to the movie at hand. Yeah. Well, is, is there somewhere you wanted to, to, There's to start? There's really not. I think... My, what what I was getting at where I'm like, we're kind of beyond this now, and let me just say, <laughs> Kate Winslet yeah. is the most manic pixie dream girl of manic pixie dream girls ever in this movie, and Jim Carrey is the most Charlie Kaufman-ass person in any Charlie Kaufman movie. Can we say Charlie Kaufman-ass on we this can. podcast? We, I allow it. <laughs> put it on cable you can put it on this yeah no i get what you're saying it's just it's it's weird <laughs> it's weird going back to 2004 because i think that was like kind of like the start of the era in which people kind of were like de starting to yeah. deconstruct those tropes um but yeah no i do definitely uh see where you're coming from and it's like there's the whole concept of like she's like I'm not just a, I'm just not a concept I'm a person and I'm like yeah you are. Does this movie really make you out to be more than that? Sometimes, other times I'm just not quite sure. But at the same time, Jim Carrey is just playing the concept of a Charlie Kaufman lead. So I just I don't know. I just feel like it's not quite as three dimensional as the movie thinks it's being, and I also don't know that it's as smart as the movie thinks it's being it's very rick and morty in that way maybe <laughs> i don't know <laughs> yeah yeah no i think i think that's entirely valid criticism is um yeah you get a kind of a you're always um in seeing clementine like through joel's mm -hmm. experience and I, I think that kind of like fits what the movie's trying to do and kind of like trying to deconstruct uh, memories and the way right. we look back on them and the way we interpret them mm -hmm. uh, to kind of influence how we react with other people um mm -hmm. but i do think it's an entirely valid criticism to say it, it's it's awkward um that we don't get clementine's perspective very much um, not filtered through Joel, and then they have right. that, they have that moment where, um, yeah, where she's like, it's it's like the it's the screenwriting out where you're like, oh, yeah. forgot to write a woman character, but if I say, yeah. uh, you know, if I call the out this trope, movie, then <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
I guess. You know. Did they do that? I mean, yeah, I remember in the emoji movie, movie where, like, she's a princess the whole time. Well, like, she's like, I don't on? know. I can't remember how it goes. I, don't, I yeah. haven't seen the emoji movie in so long, I can't speak. On the list of I, films I would forget watching. Yeah, yeah that's on there. <laughs> Definitely uh, the emoji dear movie. Dear God. <laughs> so joyless. Um, yeah, so that's kind of like, even from the start, like the opening before we get the credits. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, this feels weird. Like, sure. I don't know, like something's just... And maybe, you know what? Maybe they pulled a fast one on me. Maybe that's how I'm supposed to feel. I don't know. But also, I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to, like, piece... Because we literally just stopped watching it. I know that maybe that's not a good way to do a podcast. But it's how we do it. I don't know. Um, do you have thoughts that I can think while you're talking? <laughs> um... I mean, I, I guess carrying on the Manic Pixie Dream Girl uh, train a little bit, this mm-hmm. film very much reminded me of like 500 Days of Summer, yes. um, where it's doing a lot of similar themes and doing a lot of similar uh, structural things in terms of like seeing like the end of the relationship and then going backwards mm-hmm. um, kind of thing, um, coming to different conclusions. But I think th- those very much, they've very much been like a double feature where you're like... Um, it's like trying to deconstruct the manic pixie dream girl mm-hmm. girl uh, trope, but always coming at it from the guy's perspective. Yeah, and I. What? And this you... might be sacrilege to some people, but I think Five Hundred Days of Summer does it better. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> I just think it does. Why do you, Why do you think that is? I think there's there's a certain amount of agency that I think Zoe Deschanel's character has in that movie mm-hmm. that I don't really feel like Kate Winslet has in this movie. Even in the moments like we spend maybe I don't know, like 10% of the movie with actual her and then right. like the rest is her in his memories and him projecting his own stuff onto her and her talking to him through yeah. that. And it's just like, I don't know. It just, something feels weird about it to me and I can't quite pin what it is. I don't know. <laughs> I can't, I can't tell you. Sure. I mean, yeah, I, I, it, there does, there's also the kind of like the, the angle of the film where there's a, there's a whole like kind of subplot of like, um, Elijah Wood manipulating her yeah. memory. So there's there's this whole you, you speak about how she doesn't have any agency in the film, and like there's very much a, a like commentary on the whole thing about like um, without her memories, um, then Elijah Wood comes in and tries to almost take that agency away, just try to say the right things uh, right. to repeat the relationship. And you're, yeah, you're right. It's absolutely supposed to come off as extremely creepy. Yeah. Um, but it's also resolved in kind of a weird way where it's just like, it's it's done now. Yeah. Yeah. There's no like real resolution to it. I like assume the implication is that she can feel herself leaving his memories almost. Yeah. And also weird. <laughs> just saying he didn't feel that way. What are you trying to say? Just saying. I mean, I don't. I don't think it's. I. I. I think it's more from from like a plot point. You know, it's like she had the procedure first, and it, it's kind of implying that the procedure doesn't um, work perfectly. Um, so you still have like those lingering memories, okay? Kind of thing. So she, they're responding to impulses um, that they're not aware of why they're doing it anymore. Okay, um, gotcha. So in the same way, the the reason he gets on the uh, the train, the other train, and doesn't mm-hmm. go to work is because he's responding to those uh, memories and those impulses, right? Um, that he no longer understands the uh, the foundation for. Okay. 
So I, I, I don't think it's like right. trying to imply like she has some kind of like you know ethereal connection to him, where um you know if if he forgets her then she's less of a person. Yeah, kind okay. Of thing. I don't I don't okay. think that's what the film's implying. Good. No. <laughs> that is what I was implying was happening. I mean, um, there there is a certain element of the film where it's like you know. It, we're never gonna like truly know another person we can only kind of you know they're always going to be just like kind of what we uh project out of our memories with them all of our interactions mm -hmm. experiences we don't have access to their internal thoughts so we're always just kind of like creating this image of other people right um but i don't think the film is trying to uh then take that over to the edge of like you know if joel forgets the world exists then you know the world ceases to exist right, like he's right, the only right. thing that exists in the world kind of okay okay mentality no i, I don't, I I don't where, think it's going for that philosophy now, yeah man. okay yeah <laughs> mark ruffalo mark ruffalo is great i forgot he was in this movie and i missed when his i saw name that i was like credits, so. oh mark what's up <laughs> Very, very, like, early 2000s uh, Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> yeah. He's still great, though. God, I, Mark Ruffalo. I swear, I was I was completely unaware of Mark Ruffalo as an actor until he was in The Avengers. And yep. then now I'm like, he had, like, a career, like, yep. for the longest time. Like, <laughs> Honestly, same. Yeah. What's going on, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> um, yeah. Kirsten Dunst is in this? Yeah. What, Hulk and Mary Jane? Whoa, different universes too? Universes I... collide. Maybe wow. maybe actually this is a part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Yeah, it's actually Stark Tech that's uh, oh, removing no. the brainwaves. <laughs> and it's actually set up for a, a villain. Uh, mm. I'm trying to think of some villain with memory powers, but I don't know. I haven't read Marvel comics in years. The little baby in uh, Twilight. <laughs> she has memory powers? <laughs> I mean, Twilight is apparently part of the X Men universe. We watched, yeah. we watched both parts oh, of Breaking Dawn. We'll, get to, we'll, get, we'll to get to that at the end. We'll get to that at the end. We'll get to it at the end. Um, but yeah, Kirsten, Kirsten Dunst, uh, when she, the moment when she's just like high, like messing around in the apartment, it's yeah. the funniest part of the entire movie. <laughs> <laughs> she does such a great job of acting that, where you're like, did, did she actually have yeah. a little on set? Or? <laughs> I miss Kirsten Dunst. Where is she? What is she doing? She's done something recently. She was in, she was in Hidden a... Figures. Last thing I remember her in. All right, we're gonna we're gonna look this up a little bit. But I miss Kirsten Dunst. She's always good. Beguiled was the most recent thing. Sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I wonder if she just like she was in she USS was... Callister apparently. She, I believe she was in a season of the Fargo TV show. That's right. I remember yeah. hearing that. Yes. Yeah. 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 Because I was going to say, I, I swear looking at her filmography, she's been doing more TV lately. And she's on at least one movie from my list, uh, Drop Dead Gorgeous. <laughs> so, we'll get to more Kirsten Dunst. Will we? Uh, Drop Dead Gorgeous is being released on Blu-ray for the first time. Is it really? Uh, yeah. Oh, dude, Yeah, all the right. Warner Archive announced that uh, recently, that they're releasing on Blu-ray. So uh, That's very Are you cool. that much of a fan of this movie? I really <laughs> like that movie. I really do like that. Yeah. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. I, we will, At I guess. I, uh, I'm just surprised. Uh, you're like, you know, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, this uh, classic of cinema. <laughs> Three and a half stars, but Drop Dead Gorgeous, that's, uh, that's well, where it's at. I think... <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know if it's just where I am right now as a person, but, like, movies that take themselves really seriously, mm -hmm. not that, like, this one's, like... I, I don't know if you can how much you can... But, like, the moments that are really so dramatic, and at least with the climax, where, like, everything's falling out around him, I don't know. I don't know if I'm just, like, not there right now. Like, it worked for me. I was like, this is sad, this is emotional. Normally, yeah. that would be a, a Jacob Cry moment. Maybe maybe you need, like, a post-breakup mind to fully appreciate uh, a movie like this. And I feel like what they do with that, I thought, was really honest in its, in its portrayal of heartbreak. Mm. At least for the moments where you do see that. And 
Yeah. Jim Carrey does a really good job with it. I, I do really like the kind of the working backwards to the relationship, and it, it's only after he like eliminates those final fights that mm-hmm. breaks all that. He's like, oh wait, I for, I forget, I really want this relationship, yeah. and you're like, do you really want this relationship, or you just have you just forgotten why it ended, kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah, um, and I thought that was really good. Yeah, I I I, I think there's. <laughs> probably a more favorable way to approach this film than maybe you're taking right now. I don't... In terms of, like, the complexities of, uh... How it's, how it's like, approaching, you know, the characters and Mm -hmm. how they, uh, perceive one another. Like, I I don't know. I I think I'm I'm of two minds where I can see where you're coming from where you can, uh... Well, and that's what I... That's what I'm saying is, like, I think it's a good movie. I did like it, but I just think it's... I, I wanted to like it more, I mm-hmm. guess, and I think there's just certain things that are just keeping me from liking it as much as I I thought I would, or maybe that's just the battle of expectations when you watch a movie like this. I I, I just I, I think there's like certain like strong emotional beats that you could definitely look at and seem like very shallow, and I think maybe it's just like on rewatch when I'm paying attention to other moments in the film mm-hmm. that might. Uh, change my opinion of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I get it. I get why people really like this movie. I just, yeah, I don't know. I, I think there's plenty of reasons to, to like it. Yeah. Yeah, and I, again, it's probably a film, it's a it's a freshman year in college film. Like, the, the, the like, surreality of the film, mm-hmm. like, this, that was, like, something that was, like, mind-blowing when I first watched it, mm-hmm. when I was just, like, you know, like, how do you do this shot? How do you do this shot? We were transitioning from, like, one set to the yeah. other. Like, he's running it down the Barnes & Noble aisles, and all of a sudden he's in this house, you know, like, that's mind-blowing yeah. before you really, like, get into filmmaking. You're like, oh, filmmakers do this all the time. Like, it's <laughs> actually not that complicated to cut together. It's just a lot of movies don't care that much about editing. And, right. Uh, it's actually a very important part of the medium. <laughs> yeah. And I um I really liked all that stuff. I, I thought the the faces that would just like or the first time he does it when he's trying to turn Elijah Wood around and he just keeps seeing the back of his yeah. head. I'm like, that's, that's so good. <laughs> like all that type of stuff is so well done. Um and like gives off this air of like creepiness without going into just like this is a horror movie or Mm -hmm. this is a thriller it's like there's just these elements underlying all of it that i think really work and if the movie maybe i don't want to say if it had more of it because if it did have more of it it might lean more into that type of film and is is i'm thinking of ending things a horror movie that's what i keep hearing people say and i'm just like I am biting my tongue so hard okay. right now because, again, I really wish you had seen I'm Thinking of Ending Things already because there's so many ways to, like, compare these movies that I'm just now realizing upon, like, rewatch, like, how <laughs> similar um, Eternal Sunshine is to I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Mm-hmm. And, like, what you just said there was, like, another thing that you could, yeah, you could go on a whole, uh... There's, there's horror elements to I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Okay. I think it's... It's... You know, it's it's kind of playing with a lot of genres, so I don't think you could uh, strictly cl- classify it as a horror film, but it's definitely much more heavily horror. Okay, than, than like, uh, something like this. Than something or, like this. Even being John Malkovich has, like, really, like, weird, like, I don't want to say... I guess body horror, I guess, technically. Right. Like, I mean, like, the scene where they're all John Malkovich. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or even just, like, the, the... I mean, I don't want to spoil that movie here, because... That was, like, three years ago we watched it. But the the ending of that movie is, like, horrifying in its own way. That mm. it's, like, it's a really great ending, but also, like, what? <laughs> you know? So, I yeah. I, I think he just works so much better in that realm of using horror elements without going over the line, I guess, to being a horror film. Right. Yeah. So, maybe. Yeah. I'll have to watch the movie and report back. <laughs> And this is this again. This is such a weird conversation because, like, almost everything you're saying about your reaction to this movie fits my reaction to a completely different movie that we're not now, talking about. What happens when I watch that movie? And you love it. And I love it. I mean, that's <laughs> where we have the. Exact we're just gonna trade. I don't, I don't know. That seems like exactly movie. something that would happen with us. You know. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds about right. 
that's gonna be our that's gonna be our yearly fight. Uh, it's yeah. been a while since we've had a strong yearly fight. Yeah, know? what would it have been last year? I don't know. I don't. Remember I really love Happy Death Day to you, and you don't like it I, at that, all. I think so that, that would be it. the that one. Was, that, that would definitely be it. I don't, it's not that I don't like it at all. I just David didn't like it at all. <laughs> It just it wasn't it wasn't my thing. Like I appreciated right. what they were going for, but it just it wasn't something that appealed to me. Right, right. But I don't I don't know. Maybe I'll maybe I'll like that more on rewatch. Maybe. I, <sighs> I just what? I just it, it is just one of those movies that I wish I liked it more, mm-hmm. and it, I, it's like sad that I didn't a little bit <laughs> because like I could come on here and I could lie and be like it's it's so great yeah. and I just like really loved it and I really liked all this yeah but that's just not how I felt watching no we it. need we need the controversy that's what that's what brings in the listeners we, oh okay. I want you to hate this movie give me something you absolutely hated about this movie. That's the thing. There is nothing I really hated about it. That's the problem. It's like, yeah, there's just something that's stopping me from really loving it. And I think it is just those having seen Being John Malkovich, which deals with very similar stuff. Not yeah. like right before this, but like kind of recently. Close enough, sure. And just the whole Kate Winslet, Jim Carrey it, it's, it's, I don't know. And I think Charlie Kaufman has that a lot, where he just, he does do, like, self-insert stuff. Every single one of his movies. And that's... There's, yeah. <laughs> and it's something that I do think we should call him out for, because with a movie like this, it's like, I'm giving myself this manic pixie dream girl girlfriend, and oh boy, isn't this interesting, and then, oh, and actually, uh, she's not like the other girls, and actually, and like... Okay. <laughs> so it's just frustrating because he has these great ideas and then he just like kind of undermines them a little bit in my opinion. Yeah. And um, even with being John Malkovich, which I do really like, I mm-hmm. think there is a, a bit of that where I think his self-insert gets uh, the raw end of the deal I guess in that movie yeah. and I think that's maybe why I like it more because he <laughs> kind of like can be like hey you know this is I don't know it, it, it's such a favorable look at that type of self insert and I just sure. I don't know yeah I that think always I, makes me uncomfortable in movies I don't like that I think that's very fair I mean that's especially why I don't like Woody Allen movies I've, on, I've yeah. only seen two of his films yeah. but there's so much self inserted in them already and especially you know knowing about his actual personal life you know what he's trying um, to put into these films it's to it's, normalize and it's to, very to pass off as. it's very upsetting watching them um, yeah I only I watched one film of his because I had to for a different class for a musical class, and mm-hmm. then I watched Annie Hall just because it was like you know it's I was getting through list. that yeah. AFI uh, top one hundred films and trying to you know catch up because that was the best picture winner of that year or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think those are the only two films I could ever ever watch of his. Even yeah. even if given like some kind of out like he'll never make money if you watch. Um, the film this way, like even because then, it's I so would personal, not for care him. for it because it's they're all just self inserts, mm-hmm. and I don't want to engage with that. No, and I don't want to compare Char- Charlie Kaufman to Woody Allen. I don't think there's <laughs> right. anything to suggest that Charlie Kaufman's not an upstanding dude. Yeah, what it feels like to me. This movie in particular, not so much as other movies, what this feels like is... I'm debating things. <laughs> what do you mean? So the Ready Player One writer... <laughs> Drag him. Jim Carrey in this movie is... I don't want to say someone who, like, shouldn't be in a relationship, but someone who clearly has some issues he's working through, like, very deep issues, that... And he's like, I'm just a boring guy. He's, like, such a... no, Not nobody. I'm not... You know what I'm trying to say? Do you, like, get where I'm coming from? A little bit. Like... In the the sense that he's kind of, um... He's brooding, he's just kind of self-deprecating, yeah. like a uh, non, like a, you know, like, 
he's just kind of like moping about and not really doing anything to address issues. He's just kind of like, if I'm calling out the issue, um, and it, it, it feels very much like that. This person fixes me type. Sure. Ideal. I think in some ways that you could argue the film is like, what am I, what am I trying to say here? That it's, don't you guys love when we come right out of watching a movie and yeah, we can't we... <laughs> articulate our thoughts well at all? I love that. I was thinking about it because I was thinking about predestination. How the point I was trying to make was like, you know, how how many how many pieces of yourself can you take out and still remain you? Yeah. And like that very much applies to this film again. It's very yeah. similar thematically, where it's like, how many memories can you really take out um, and still be you? Because I mean, like that's something that the the film doesn't entirely lean to that side of it of being like you know how you know logical is it that you could actually remove someone from your memories because mm-hmm. they're everything is so con- deeply connected right. that it's highly implausible that you could ever um you know, pull on one thread of the brain and not have the whole thing unravel. Like, the film just, you know, glosses over that because And it's... that's what he does really well, I think, in all of his movies. It's just, like, all this, like, insane science or, like, magic is just, yeah. like, it just happens. Yeah. Like, yeah. just it, go with it, it. They're working on dream logic, and it works because, you know, everything is so surreal in the movie already. Right. Um, you're not looking for logic if you're looking for it, if you're uh, watching a Charlie Kaufman film. So. Right. And I... I think we just lost the point that I was trying to make. But I think this one in particular is very much Charlie Kaufman. I don't know. I don't want to, like, psychoanalyze the dude, so I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I mean, in a sense, he's putting all his insecurities out on the on the films. Like, I don't, I don't know if we yeah. have access to any artist's mind more than we have access to Charlie Kaufman's, you That's know? absolutely Again, he's fair. made six films dealing with the same anxieties over and over and over again, so... Yeah. And I want to, like, clarify the point. I'm not saying that if you have, like, issues that you're working through that you shouldn't be in a relationship... I don't know why it came off that way. That's what it sounded like. What I'm saying is, in particular, is like, this movie comes off as the relationship fixing the person and not the person fixing their own issues, I guess. Well, oh, that's what I was, that's what I was trying to get at, is I'm saying is um, that I think there's like a way you can interpret the film where it's not necessarily endorsing their decision at the end um, to get back in that relationship and, you know, saying that, you know, uh, they they have, like, some kind of, you know, cosmic, uh, you know, soulmates like, yeah, uh, thing right. where they they need to come together because they complete each other um, or any of that. Um, I don't know if the, you know, the film, uh, I mean, we want to kind of say, like, oh, and then there's a happily ever after because that's what, like, rom-coms have, you know, that's- kind of programmed yeah. into our brains to say but kind of wish in a way it, the film is all about how if we take away our memories um then we don't learn from our mistakes exactly really. yeah I, that's why i mean maybe this is what they from the way you're talking about it this is yeah. probably what they wanted us to feel like hey we both said these things about each other we both mm-hmm. are just going to end up feeling this way again like this is just who we are we're just not compatible mm-hmm. and then she'd just leave and they'd be like hey sorry like or not sorry but you know like this is just probably what's best for us yeah i I think there's like i think there's like two ways you can kind of approach the ending depending on what kind of mood you want to really take from it i guess right and that you could say like oh these are two very toxic people that are going to keep on getting back into this same relationship even Mm -hmm. though they know it's not good for either one of them because maybe they're determined to not um have a good relationship maybe they're determined to just kind of have this uh you know, self-defeating, uh, toxic environment that they can, uh, you know, yell at someone else, project their fears and anxieties on someone else right. and not have to deal with their own personal issues. Mm-hmm. Or you could say, you know, this is a situation in which they have those tapes, they understand what they don't like about one another, mm-hmm. but they also kind of are able to approach it from an angle where, um, maybe a fresh perspective where maybe they were just like too into that environment that they didn't have a clear perspective of one another. You know, like, the more time you spend with someone, the more you might start to hate them. Because right. you, like, can't get away from them and can't 
um, develop. Is your that own. what quarantine's been for you? <laughs> I, I wasn't like subtweeting you on that, uh, but, but but I mean, like the, the idea that you can kind of like take a step back um, and realize that the issues that you were seeing weren't actually as big of issues as they actually were. Mm-hmm. Um, that maybe you know that you can understand them more as a person because you can see. Um, their perspective, uh, the the reason why they made mistakes and all that sort of stuff. So mm-hmm. I think I think there's like two ways you can view the ending where you could say you know it's a it's a like a it's a happy ending or like a like a cautionary ending kind of. I thing. would say the movie is going for more of a happy ending. Maybe I don't I, know. I, I think, I think it's either way. I think it's like you see, yeah, probably up to interpretation. Yeah, because I, I think I think we like are again predisposed to treat it as a happy ending because that's right. what we're taught like a rom-com should be you know mm-hmm. um and the film has like you know kind of like you could you know interpret like the color palette and the music and all that sort of stuff like all these kind of clues we get to a movie's tone mm-hmm. i do think it's trying to portray it as a happy ending but again everything's like so surreal and everything yeah. that it's it's so um, ambiguous and so abstract that I think you can draw multiple interpretations. Um, even right. that even the, the 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 text is leading you one way, maybe you know it's meaning something else because it's so abstract. That's what art does. <laughs> we got that big brain. <laughs> See, I always pull out the big brain for these oh, big yeah. brain movies on my list. I, I will to, say, I can feel so smart putting uh, Eternal Sunshine on my list. Speaking of big brain and actually pulling back to idiocracy, yeah. there's one moment that rubbed me the wrong way, and I'm just like, this is just sort of like a theme, I guess. With not like a theme, but this is something that I've noticed in Charlie Kaufman's work, where there's the scene where they're at the the Asian restaurant. And he's like, I don't want to be like one of those couples, you know? Like, we're not... I, I don't want to be seen like that. And it's like, oh, God, dude. Like, we're not like the other couples. <laughs> it's just like, oh, my God. Like, in that, like, holier-than-thou, like, we're different, you know? Again, like, I think this is very much a college freshman movie. Yeah. Where... <laughs> so, like, in that way, I can respect what what was made here and i think it's really well done and one i'll probably watch again ending really good i mean that whole climax is really good emotional normally a jacob cry jacob no cry this time though might be just it might be your state of mind i don't know i don't know but you know (laughs) i again i (laughs) i don't know it's uh I don't, you don't. You don't have to like the movie just because everyone else does. No, you know? <laughs> I know. I know. I'm not saying I like. I want to like it because that. But I'm just saying, like, I feel like this is normally a movie I would have really liked. But I think I, I'm just repeating myself at this point. You've heard me. I, I get what you're saying. <laughs> Everyone's heard me. Several now times, I re- so. the thing is, I really want you to watch. I'm thinking of ending things because now I wanted to dissect it further because um, mm-hmm. of this conversation. Well, you. But you I figure. also, based on this conversation, think you would not like the movie at all. <laughs> okay. You figure it'll be nominated for best picture. Possibly. Maybe. I mean, with, the thing is with. With so few, just with so few, um, you know, real like valid um, entries. Mm -hmm. um, I'm wondering how much they want to lean into the Netflix side of it, though. You know, but like that's what we've got because like that's really all we have because no one else is going to be able to put out um, their big prestige picks and no one else is going to be able to go see them. Definitely not by December and probably even though they push the Oscars back till April of next year or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, Even then, it's very unlikely um, that any major studio is going to get the releases out in the way Netflix is able to by just putting them on the streaming service. Yeah. So it's gonna. It would be very weird if every single um, Best Picture nominee or the majority of them were from Netflix, considering how they've been trying to like shut them out from the competition. But that's yeah. kind of what it seems like it's heading towards this year. And it's just like, take your medicine, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like, sorry, but you can't just like dump on an entire. Let's just be honest, an entire form of the medium at this point. 
Like, this is just what the medium is now. You have to accept it. And especially with, you know, Corona shutting down theaters nationwide, like, it's just kind of going to accelerate the um, yeah the uh, increase of streaming as a viable watching option. Yeah. Like, I'm super excited to get back in a theater when it's safe. Um, that'd Me too. still be my preferred way to watch any movie. Um, but it's just not going to be safe for too long, you know? But I'd rather be able to have Tenant available now for like a $20 yes. rental than have Or at least a at a drive in, Tenant. <laughs> Apparently, it's in drive ins if um, non drive in theaters are open in the area. It's only if there's no, like, indoor seating theaters open that they don't allow it in drive-ins. It's such a weird standard that doesn't make any sense. Just, like, everything about the release of that movie doesn't make any sense. I would see literally... I don't want to say any movie, because we had our chance to go see Young New Mutants, and I'm just like, I, I don't care enough. I'll watch that one at home. Yeah. But any movie that I'm looking forward to seeing right now... I would gladly see it safely at a drive-in. Right. Like, yeah, it's not my ideal way of seeing it, but, like, do you want my money or don't you? Like, either you just, either you get the money or you don't get the money. Like, okay, I just won't give you my money then. Like, what's wrong They're with you people? They're working on it so you don't have a choice. Mm, perfect. That's, that's the dream. That's oh, the dream okay. of these studios. Yeah. God. You think I'm joking, I, but I I'm about to go huge brain on you. And <laughs> oh, just gonna... <laughs> no. Well, I have this ranked. Yeah. And it's going to be higher than I think you might expect. Okay. But I've got it at 37th, behind, under the skin, and ahead of a fistful of dollars. That is much higher than I would think. Is that because you're kind of leaning more towards favorable now, or would you say everything below that is like three and a half stars or less? It's, the thing is, my list is, like, I've really reordered the top of my list, not messed around with the bottom of it or, like, the middle of it very much. And I just, I don't know, there's movies that I really like in here. I really like 2001, which I put below it. Mm -hmm. But I think watchability has a big part to do with, like, my list in general. And I think Eternal Sunshine is much more watchable than 2001. I guess. I mean, it's certainly shorter and uh, yeah. <laughs> faster paced, if yeah. that's what you mean. That's what I mean. Like, it's easier to pop on and put on. and It's, um, it's not three hours with a yeah. lot of intentionally long sequences that yes. don't really go anywhere. <laughs> and I don't know. I think there's also something to just be said for objectionable, not objectionable, objective quality right. to it. And I think there is just in a filmmaking perspective tons of quality in this and i think i'd i'd put it there for now but again i like i said i haven't messed around with the middle or the bottom of this list in a long time so it's probably where i'd put it for now but again i don't want people to come out of this thinking i didn't like the movie <laughs> i did like the movie you don't you don't have to uh constantly for us you know i just want i just the want Maybe the lesson you need to take away from Eternal Sunshine is that you can't control how others will perceive you. <laughs> That's fair. I just want to make it clear on my part that I've done everything <laughs> I can to be extremely clear about how I feel about this movie. Well, even though that's the point. That's why we have a podcast. Yeah, uh, fair. Or that's you know why we say we have a podcast. We're like, oh, we're gonna give very clear thoughts mm. about why we like or don't like a movie, and then we get on here and just you know laugh a bunch to cover up the fact that we forgot what we were trying to yeah, say. I I guarantee there were several points I was trying to make in this podcast. It just completely slipped away from me, <laughs> guaranteed. And that's why it's been another episode. <laughs> no, we're not. We're not ready to exit yet because I got to no. rank it. Um, I am going to put this. Honestly, I am going to put this thirty uh, fourth. Okay. Um, behind Children of Men, ahead of Hellraiser. Okay. Okay. We're very close, actually. That's really weird. Yeah. For mm -hmm. our different opinions on the film. <laughs> Again, it's just because I like a lot more movies on this list than you. Because a lot of these fair. are all-time favorites. 
So, yeah, that's a ranking. Yeah. It would be the same on the combined list, because, yeah. again... Uh, Both movies are uh, in the same place. Jacob hasn't cracked the top... Uh, oh, for me, it would be different, 50, actually, technically. Whatever. It would be 40th on my list, on uh, the combined list. Right. Do you do you have an idea of what you're going to show me to try to crack that uh, 57 <laughs> Oh, is that what we're trying whatever? to do? I didn't realize well, I was trying to come at you with that's, that. That's not how the challenge started, but it's what the challenge is now. Oh, God, I don't know. <laughs> All right, so next week, we're going back to my list. And there's a road trip movie coming out where they yep. go to get an abortion. Why are you saying it like that? I don't know. <laughs> I was, I was, I don't know why I said it like that. It felt like, like um, if I say it like this, we won't get any angry comments, uh, even though that's probably not our listening audience. No, <laughs> no, it felt like for some reason I was doing Eddie Burback has this bit in his YouTube videos where if he talks about something that would get him demonetized, he goes, abortion. So that they can't hear him. And I think that's what subconsciously I was doing. <laughs> So, as if we monetize this at all. <laughs> I can't make that joke. <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah. Okay. You just want to cut this and start over? No. No. no not anymore. No. Uh, so we're gonna watch Izzy gets the F across town. Yeah. Um. Uh, I I can't say that on the podcast because we will get demonetized. Yeah. As, again, we don't make money on this podcast. I lose money on this podcast. How do you lose money on this podcast? I mean, you bought the, the Rex set, I guess. Uh, I pay $12 a month to keep all of our podcasts. Oh, online. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that, to be honest. Um. So, yeah. We're going to watch that. And that one will break your top... Ten. Yeah, you're confident. Top ten. You're that confident. How much? How much money are you willing to lose on that? <laughs> okay, this one will break your top. You're already in debt. You gotta. You gotta just double down. Oh god! All right. What are the movies we've watched so far? Let me look at your ranked list of my movies here. Um, it's Raising Arizona is my number one. Mm-hmm. Then The Jungle Book. Then Two Days One Night. Then Wreck. Then John Wick Chapter Two. Then Last Respect. Grown Ups. Crimes of Grindelwald. Sucker Punch. Where do you have John Wick rated? Uh, fifth. But, like, in the combined list? Uh, I think it's, like, low, like, 70, 71. So this will probably break your top 80. (laughs) (laughs) But we'll see. Can't wait with that endorsement. I'm not going to, to... Put me in a box. I'm I like I like weird indie movies. Yeah. I make fun of you for your indie movies all the time, but I like indie movies. We'll see. <laughs> but yeah, you guys can uh, catch that one. I believe it's on Amazon Prime. Or I don't know actually. So I this episode have said is that. brought to you by Amazon Prime. Even yeah. if it's not on there, we'll say it as uh... sure. Uh, let me see. It's on Tubi. You can watch it on Tubi for free. So have fun with that. Yeah. Don't watch it on Tubi. Don't don't watch things on Tubi. No. no. Oh. I watched a movie on Tubi before. I can't remember what it is now. I'm never going to be able to think of wow, it. Wow, that is... What? That is a Rotten Tomatoes score. Crazy? Yeah, that's not what it used to be. <laughs> Did it not used to be rotten? We'll get to it. Uh, Come yeah. on next week. Yeah, well, yeah. probably not next week. We'll probably watch or, it at some point well, this week and whenever. do it. So. Talk about it at some point. Do you have any closing thoughts on Twilight before we go? Oh, boy. That's such a long episode already. Is it? Twilight's, yeah, it's like an hour. Twilight, the finale, the last two movies are my favorite yeah. of all of them. Because I feel like the director didn't care. And I think that's the funniest part to me. Um, yeah. The first part is actually probably... I'll say he didn't care about the finale, probably. Yeah. The first one, I think, is actually probably the the best movie in the series. Is that objectively best you're coming around to now? Honestly, or? maybe. Because nothing happens on that movie. Yes. I, I had not seen that one before now, but I watched it now. It's awful. I It's so <sighs> skippable. 
Like, the thing is, there's, like, there's, like, again, it, it is kind of amusing in the ways they just kind of try to get around the fact that they have no content. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed it for that aspect, but, you know, like, as, like, a movie, as, like, a piece of the overarching story, like, it's useless. And then Breaking Dawn Part 2 yeah. <laughs> is just so silly. I hate it, but I love it at the same time. Like... They're always talking about, in the beginning of this movie, or the beginning of the series, how, like, vampires with powers are so, like, not... They're not, like, the norm. Yeah. But, like, the Cullens are just a special family or whatever, you know? It's like, okay, whatever. Sure. Um, But, like, then everyone has a superpower in the finale, and it's like, okay... Sure. Yeah, I totally forgot what the first half of that movie is like, but it's so it's so much like whiplash. Just it's like, like X Men First Class. Yeah, when they're going to like find all the mutants. It's like, like oh, that montage, but like stretched over yeah. an entire hour. So long. <laughs> the the effects are worse than they've ever been. Yeah, but somehow it works to its charm. I think if Twilight was a low budget series, mm-hmm. it might be better. If they just took the budget away from those movies. Because it would have this charm, you know? This this, sure. this this heart, this soul to it. Right. That it just doesn't have, for the most part, until the end. Um, and my god, point. what a finale. Just... Yeah. What a, a cop-out. Should have done it. You, you, you like how... Uh, spoilers for Twilight, how they let the evil guy... Uh... Get away yeah, it, it makes me so angry. It's <laughs> like, what? Like, yes, the movie was never really about this good and evil battle. But it's it's such a weird idea that they're just like, you know, we don't have to deal with it because we got like we got ours. So who yeah. cares what happens with the rest of the evil vampires in the yeah. world? Like, it plays into, like, this is such a, this weird fantasy that's both, like, that's, like, it's so safe and boring. Mm-hmm. Just, like, this idea, like, oh, I get to live forever with love my life. But also, we have no personality or interests outside of our relationship to one another. And uh, also, we're just not going to engage with, you know, other people in the world. And, you know, <laughs> just going to let this uh, vampire uh, coven just terrorize yeah. Uh, Europe. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, like, I'll, I'll talk about this, because I hated Jacob in these movies. Sure. He's the yeah. worst. He gets more irredeemable as they go on. And that's the thing that's <laughs> so confusing to me. Because, like, Jacob is, and I understand it's probably written like this, because the person who wrote him didn't mm-hmm. realize he was a bad person. Yeah. Sorry, Stephanie, but he's not a good person as a character. But, like, it would have been so easy, because they're coming to kill the baby. Mm-hmm. Memory baby. Memory baby. Horrifying That's how we got this CG Horrible baby. CGI fake Horrifying. memory baby. Yeah. They're coming to kill the baby. Yeah. And Jacob is going in to kill it. I don't really know what's going on in that scene, or maybe, what? I don't know. He's going in to, like, kill that baby. He's not killing the baby. He's he, protecting the baby. But, like, he was going in. To do something. (laughs) Probably kill the baby. I don't know what you're referring to. There's no moment where he's trying to kill the baby. Anyway, he walks in, and then he just, like, looks the baby in the eyes, and he imprints on it, and it's as dirty as it sounds. And then you're just like, this is weird. Oh, okay, I get You're you're back on part one. It kind of seemed like he was like, you know what? Let's just do this. But it, it just, I, I remember the moment you're talking about now. Yeah, when he thinks it's like this, you know, like abomination, like this, uh, yeah. this vampire monster thing that he needs to kill, and then he and then he imprints looks at on it. He imprints like, on yeah, it. Yeah, that's a whole bag of worms we're not gonna talk about because it's a long episode. And the easiest way to redeem his character and. I don't know, not make him a pedophile, would be to... <laughs> you opened the bag of worms, I said we weren't going to. <laughs> it's too late. The easiest way to redeem him, and for everything he's done, would be to be like, hey, the only way they're not going to kill this baby is if I imprint on it, and even though that means I will never be able to imprint on anyone else, this will be my life. I will have given up my ability to be with someone to save this person's sure. life. 
I think you could uh, you could also even take it a step further and be like he in you know like there's a final battle and he sacrifices his life to save this baby mm-hmm. um that's this is like the this whole like mythic destiny aspect to it right. where um he imprints on this baby and then uh sacrifices himself so the baby can live and that's the end of his arc and you're like okay sure yeah it's, it's like, like it's a, like, it's super cliche, but, but at, at least, least it's, it's like something. something. <laughs> and like, instead he's just like, nah, I'm going to grow up and I'm going to marry that baby. And it's just like. The thing is, I didn't think they implied that in the movie, but then there's like a weird shot at the end where yeah. they're at the waterfall together. And you're like, what is going on here? Like, yeah. you just kind of undercut all the, like, you know, you were trying to, you know, walk it back the entire movie. And then you're like, yeah, no. We're just gonna lean into the awful implications of this. Was there pushback against that from fans? I don't know. Because from like, like people that weren't that were already super critical of the book, absolutely. Okay. I don't want to open that can of worms. I'm not going to talk about it right now. I'm now just... it's a can of worms. It was a bag of worms. I don't well, know where, where that metaphor came we're at from. A different, we're at a different can. <laughs> I'm just... Why do we have a bag of worms and a can of worms? Because we only need so many worms. I didn't make the series. I don't know. <laughs> but I... oh, I'm not going to say it. We're just going to move on. It's just Twilight. Not good until the end. Last two movies. Amazing. <laughs> I would absolutely watch the last two over and over those again. Are, those are the closing thoughts, yeah, yeah. Yeah. At least I'm done with it. I'm just, like, happy to be done with it. Well, now we gotta watch Vampires Suck. That's I what you were, you've been I'm waiting for. I'm excited to watch those. <laughs> and whatever the other one was that we yeah. found. Breaking Wind. Yeah, Breaking Wind. <laughs> I'm excited for those, don't get me wrong. I haven't seen that one, but with a title like that, you can... Uh... How could you hate it? Yeah. You can't. We start this podcast talking about extreme movie. We end on breaking wind. That's uh, that's par for the course. Um, if you want to find us around the web, you can find Jacob at Jake underscore Lace on Twitter. You can find him at Jake Lace on Letterboxd, where he'll post some reviews of films. Um, if you want to find me around the web, you can find me at Honest Opinion on Twitter. You can find me at myhonestopinion.com. Um, you can also find me at Honest Opinion on Letterboxd, um, where I also post reviews of films. Um, and if you want to find the podcast around the web, you can check us out on SoundCloud and iTunes. Um, you can give us a like on Facebook or Twitter or follow us on Twitter um, if you like what we say. So, Sorry I insulted everyone's favorite movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. We, we forgave you for the RoboCop episode. It was so long ago. Oh, okay. That's the one we're talking about. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, until next time. More like Robo Flop. Got him. Wow. Karate chopped that Robo. You've hurt my feelings. I'm going to go erase you from my memory. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> until next time, don't think it. Don't say it. Bye-bye, man.